tonight on NJ Spotlight News. Calls for a ceasefire. Bonnie Watson Coleman signing a letter with other representatives condemning the Hamas attack as President Biden shows solidarity on the ground in Israel. The death that we are seeing um, on our screens every day, all day long, we need to do something immediately. We need to cease firing on one another immediately. Also, a New Jersey mother's plea to end the violence as she mourns the loss of her son killed in the conflict. I am begging the world, stop all the wars, stop killing people, stop killing babies. Plus, safer streets in Jersey City. Advocates are crying foul after a fatal collision on Patterson Plank Road, now demanding safety upgrades. Three people should not have to die for these minor improvements. And NJ decides 2023, with less than three weeks to go before Election Day, the campaign attacks are heating up in District 3. Will it sway voters? The only numbers we have at all so far are the vote by mail numbers. And in the third district, Democrats are off to a rip-roaring head start. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. Funding for NJ Spotlight News provided by the members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. And Orsted, committed to the creation of a new long-term, sustainable, clean energy future for New Jersey. From NJPBS, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening and thanks for joining us this Wednesday night. I'm Brianna Venozzi. President Biden today making a rare wartime visit to Israel and said early evidence shows Israel was not responsible for Tuesday's deadly explosion at a hospital in Gaza. A horrific blast, the Palestinian health ministry says killed hundreds and wounded many more, among them sheltering women, babies and children. The Israel Defense Forces asserts the bombing was caused by a failed rocket fired by Palestinian militant groups. Gaza officials are are denying it. Now, UN and humanitarian leaders warn the war is spiraling out of control, with the death toll among Palestinians surpassing 3,500 people, according to their records. Here at home, Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman is joining congressional colleagues calling for immediate de-escalation in the conflict in an effort to save lives. She joins me now from Capitol Hill. Congresswoman, thank you for joining me just outside the chambers there. Let me ask you first about uh, the letters that you have signed your name onto, one condemning Hamas, uh, the other urging a ceasefire. Uh, that one, of course, uh, the latter being uh, a little bit more controversial. What is it exactly that you and your colleagues are urging? Peace. Lasting peace. Two-state solution dignity and respect, equality of life. That's what we're seeking. Now, this, um, this ceasefire is always a temporary measure, uh, but we just can't leave it there. But because of all the devastation and the death that we are seeing um, on our screens every day, all day long, we need to do something immediately. We need to cease 
firing on one another immediately. And so while for me, that is a temporary measure and that is not something that um, I want to hang my hat on. I want to hang my hat on um, permanent solutions. I want to hang my hat on more diplomacy. I want to hang my hat on a commitment to rebuild um, uh, Gaza. And, and I want to hang my hat on uh, Israel having the right to live where it lives and live in safety and security. I expect the same thing for the Palestinians. I know you've obviously been tied up in the votes uh, for the Speaker of the House, but uh, the president today made remarks from Israel and said that he will be sending, excuse me, <clears throat> an unprecedented aid package uh, to you and your colleagues. Uh, will you support that, especially if, as it looks now, it'll be tied to aid for Ukraine somewhere in the ballpark of $100 million? Well, I am certainly interested in ensuring that we send the resources to Ukraine and to Israel that we need to send. But I'm also concerned that we are sending uh, humanitarian aid and support to, uh, to Gaza and the West Bank. Uh, let me change subjects here uh, to quickly what's happening there on the House floor. Um, how much of this, if anything, can get done if you all can't come to a resolution on the leader of your chamber? I'm like the wrong person to ask about that. You should ask one of the Republicans because they represent the majority. They've caused this chaos from the day one when they took over the mantle. It's always been about disrupting, tearing down, denying, and lying. This guy, Jim Jordan, has done nothing but tear things apart. He's done nothing but lied and denied. He's not even been a person who, could, who was uh, trustworthy in protecting sure. students when he was on a college campus. This man is an insult to this institution and he cannot be the speaker. I won't support him and I don't even think his own people will support him. Congresswoman, over in the other side in the Senate, your colleague, uh, Senator Bob Menendez, uh, of course, under a federal indictment, um, was told that he would not be privy to some of the classified briefings on Israel. Those statements were made by Senator Chuck Schumer. What are your thoughts on that and his ability to hold his position if he's not able to get some of this very important information at a critical time in the Middle East. So I think this is all very sad that we have to deal with this, but that is their business over there. Uh, Schumer has spoken. He, he does what he thinks is best for this country, what he thinks is best for the Senate. I'll let them work it out. Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman joining us from Capitol Hill. Thank you. Thank you. As we mentioned, New Jersey senior Senator Bob Menendez will not be involved in high-level talks regarding Israel. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer told reporters late yesterday Menendez will not attend an all-senators classified briefing today about the situation in Gaza. Should Senator Menendez be allowed to attend the classified briefing on Israel tomorrow? And you still stand by your position that he should not resign? You're not going to He's not going to attend the briefing tomorrow. Be yes. I don't get involved in private, con I've had private conversations, I don't get involved in what happened in them, on this kind of thing. He's not attending. Next. 
This after several of his colleagues raised concerns his presence could cause a national security risk. Menendez is under indictment on multiple federal bribery and corruption charges, accused of accepting money, gold bars, and a luxury vehicle in exchange for using his influence in office to help three New Jersey businessmen with ties to Egypt, and most recently charged with accepting bribes to act as a foreign agent on behalf of the Egyptian government. Menendez has pleaded not guilty, but stepped down from his high-ranking position as chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. The development, though, could have significant consequences as to whether Menendez remains in office or resigns, as more than half of his Democratic Senate colleagues have called on him to do. News of the Gaza hospital blast sent horror and more division among people in New Jersey with close ties to the conflict. Many have already lost family members and loved ones in the war and remain divided despite increased calls for peace. Senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan has the story. Teaneck witnessed dueling rallies over the Israel-Hamas war last night as protesters, separated by police barricades, waved flags, shouted slogans, and sang patriotic songs outside a town council meeting. Escalating tensions at home mirrored escalating violence abroad. Inside, the council voted unanimously to adopt a controversial resolution supporting the state of Israel and denouncing Hamas in the wake of its deadly terror attack on October 7th that slaughtered 1,300 Israelis. Since then, Israel's retaliated with airstrikes targeting northern Gaza, bombarding neighborhoods and decimating Palestinian families. Residents on both sides spoke passionately last night. It's highly problematic in that it ignores the brutal oppression meted out by Israel against the Palestinians that gave birth to Hamas. The resolution is myopic. It's inaccurate. The intentional, targeted, televised killing of innocent men, women, and children is not complicated at all. To view our condemnation of that as somehow Islamophobic, as somehow anti-Palestinian, is shocking to me. The human tolls rising. Hundreds died in a deadly rocket strike that hit a Gaza City hospital yesterday. The tragedy's fueling outraged debate over who's responsible. Back in New Jersey, grieving families voice their anger and despair over the carnage. Najwa Al-Sadi's in Totoa, her niece Gadir, called from Gaza. She was crying. She's telling me that they are in one area right now. They feel there's no safe place after the hospital had been hit uh, and people our children, patients, doctors have been killed by the hundreds. Uh, she's like, there's no safe place. Their home in Gaza's in ruins. Several family members killed. One niece, Neda, is sheltering with the Red Cross. As for Gadir, People have lost hope, and I don't blame them. The world is... Uh, being extremely biased. Israel warned a million Palestinians to evacuate to southern Gaza as it apparently prepares for a ground invasion to eradicate Hamas. Airstrikes have already killed five members of North Halden resident Suzanne El Farah's family. So when you're saying that you're going into Gaza with the goal of, an, of destroying the net Hamas networks, does that mean all the rest of Gaza is collateral damage? Well, Hamas 
are just murderers, just bloody murderers. Igor Kimmenfeld spoke via Zoom from near Ashkelon in Israel. You could hear rockets exploding in the background. His dad, Daniel, went fishing October 7th and is missing and presumed dead in the Hamas attack. Kimmenfeld, who's from Gibbsboro, feels no mercy for Hamas. They have no value of human life. And whoever supports them is, is as good as them in my eyes. My family is devastated. My dad was the leader of this family. War is not the answer. A grief-wracked Mikhail Halev posted photos of her 20-year-old son, Leor Abramov, a New Jersey native who was murdered when Hamas opened fire at the rave music event October 7th. I am begging the world, stop all the wars, stop killing people, stop killing babies. She wept her message that everyone in this war is wounded and that it needs to stop. And I want to say that in my name, I want no vengeance. I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. Well, it wasn't a single incident, but a culmination of complaints about the Trenton Police Department that's prompting a federal investigation. New Jersey's U.S. Attorney's Office on Tuesday launched a probe into the capital city and its police officers, focusing on alleged use of force. Federal authorities say they've received serious and credible reports of officers making illegal stops, searches and arrests. And the investigation is intended to root out possible civil rights violations. Senior correspondent Joanna Gagas reports. There are people being pulled over again, you know, just stopped and there's no justification in it. There are incidents where abuse occurs, where officers are putting their hands on citizens. Community advocate Darren Freedom Green says these instances of police misconduct, even abuse, happen weekly in Trenton. Uh, they just punched him and all. Look at him! In response to the community's outcry, the Department of Justice yesterday announced it's opening an investigation into the Trenton Police Department and the city of Trenton. There may be ongoing constitutional violations with how members of the Trenton Police Department operate. This is why we are starting a civil rights investigation of the police department and the city of Trenton to determine whether there is a pattern or practice that deprives individuals of their rights. U.S. Attorney Philip Selinger made the announcement after holding a town hall recently where he heard these concerns directly from Trenton residents. This investigation will focus on two core areas. First, whether the Trenton Police Department is engaged in a pattern or practice of using excessive force. And second, whether the Trenton Police Department is engaged in a pattern or practice of unlawfully stopping, searching, and arresting individuals traveling on foot or by car. Selinger's office reviewed countless public records and Trenton Police body camera footage. We can see, you know, numbers alone with the racial disparities already show there's a problem. We have a city that's 49% black, and yet 75% of all arrested are black individuals. The force um, used by law enforcement, we know because the Department um, New Jersey Office of the Attorney General, in their use of force database, we see that about 76% of all use of force reports um, were against individuals, black individuals. Trenton Mayor Reed Gassiora met with the U.S. Attorney's Office this morning to discuss the investigation, which is one of more than 10 the DOJ has conducted. We welcome any kind of uh, scrutiny. Uh, uh, we we uh, have to 
the priority is that constitutional um, uh, stops are conducted, uh, that there aren't any uh, improper uh, police behaviors. So we welcome the scrutiny. But he thinks the focus should be on crime in Trenton. What the public demands is that we address the crime problem. I'd rather have the our U.S. attorney focus on the number of guns that are coming into the state, and then we won't even need police. All of this could result in a federal monitor being put in place to oversee structural changes to the police department, just like Newark saw in 2015. Green wants that kind of oversight. When you look at history and all of the issues that have oftentimes taken place, it has not until it reached the federal level that change and transformation from a policy place oftentimes impact the state and local level. The U.S. attorney will continue holding public feedback sessions as the investigations carried out over the next year. I'm Joanna Gagas, NJ Spotlight News. Outrage is growing after a fatal car crash this week on a deadly stretch of roadway in Jersey City that claimed the lives of three young people and left another in critical condition. Safe Street advocates are decrying Hudson County leaders for long-planned but stalled safety improvements to Patterson Plank Road. That's despite millions of dollars dedicated for safety upgrades and eight other fatal car crashes in recent years. Ted Goldberg has the story. When I heard about the crash, there was a feeling of dread, um, but I have to say not total surprise. Monday's deadly car crash on Patterson Plank Road was a familiar story to anyone who's driven through this treacherous stretch of Jersey City. If you look at this street, it looks like a racetrack. Uh, you've got winding corners, you've got nice, line, nice wide lane widths. Uh, and fresh paving that makes people think that they can drive much faster than they safely can. Between the years, the three-year period between 2016 and the end of 2018, there were 114 crashes on this stretch of road. And that doesn't even include, that was just car crashes, that doesn't even include pedestrian and bicycle crashes that happened. Those numbers come from a road safety audit done by Hudson County three years ago, examining one mile of Patterson Plank Road near Congress Street. The speed limit is 25 miles per hour, but many drivers ignore the signage and paint on the street. New Jersey law says that I can bike on this road and that people have to give me four feet of space or slow down and pass at less than 25 miles an hour. Uh, truthfully, that doesn't often happen. If you try and bike on this road, you're going to get close past. Uh, you're going to get honked at. It's going to be incredibly scary. This has been dangerous for many, many years. After three people died in a crash here on Monday, County employees started putting up delineators on Patterson Plank Road this morning. County Commissioner William O'Day and advocates have theories as to why this cliffside road causes so many problems. You speed down, and if you're coming up, you speed up. And an area where a lot of the incidents have occurred seemingly to be at almost the same point. So they wonder if there's an acceleration on both ends that causes that. Uh, and obviously, they've been head-on collisions, which is... Which is uh, one of the reasons things like a barrier being looked at as an interim solution. The lane width for the cars is pretty wide and that just encourages car drivers to drive fast. We would recommend 10.5 feet for lane width. That actually forces drivers to slow down. Um, you can put in signs, you can put in rumble strips, you can put in paint, but it's pretty clear that those mechanisms don't actually slow drivers down. Advocates are happy about the short-term fix but they're hoping for broader, long-term solutions. 
three people should not have to die for these minor improvements. Um, we should be proactive and we should uh, be improving streets so that no one else has to be lost at the hands of traffic violence. Hudson County has dedicated $12 million to adding improvements here. And the county's new Vision Zero Task Force will likely take a good hard look at what can be done. There's a process that will take place. There'll be a professional brought on board, um, which we're hoping to do sooner rather than later. And then the community gets input. One of the things that I'd like to see done with this roadway is a multimodal, pro, a proactive multimodal design that encourages bikes, pedestrians, drivers, all modes can use it safely and comfortably. Eight people have died on this road over the past seven years, giving leaders a lot to look over as they try to make Patterson Plank Road a safer place to drive, walk, and bike. In Jersey City, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News. In our Spotlight on Business report, offshore wind development is hitting another snag. Cape May County is joining local activists and the fishing industry in filing a federal lawsuit this week, challenging the approval of Orsted's multi-billion dollar Ocean Wind One project, claiming the project's turbines and construction will harm wildlife and endangered marine mammals and take a hit on local tourism. Ocean Wind One is one of two planned Orsted projects proposing to build as many as 98 offshore wind turbines about 15 miles off the coasts of Cape May and Atlantic counties. The lawsuit alleges the government broke federal law when it approved construction permits for the development earlier this year and wants the permits invalidated. Federal regulators, though, have already put the project through a lengthy environmental review. Proponents of offshore wind say the farms are key to achieving both Governor Murphy and President Biden's clean energy goals and point to guidelines laid out by NOAA to ensure Orsted, an underwriter of NJ Spotlight News, protects marine life during construction. Turning to Wall Street, Middle East tensions are weighing on markets. Here's how stocks close today. As Election Day gets closer, we take a look at one legislative race in South Jersey that's heating up. The battle for a state Senate seat in District 3, which spans parts of Gloucester, Cumberland and Salem counties. That's where Republican incumbent Ed Durr, the truck driver who became a firebrand two years ago after knocking off former Democratic State Senate President Steve Sweeney, is defending his seat against Democrat John Berzicelli, who represented the district in the Assembly for two decades. As senior political correspondent David Cruz reports, the smear campaigns are ramping up. Here's an adult concept. Keep John Berzicelli out of office and away from our kids. They don't call it silly season for nothing. Former Assemblyman John Berzicelli is as much a porn producer as Senator Ed Durr is an Uber driver. But that has not stopped the Durr campaign from posting this video. A nod you see to the conservative leanings of some voters in the 3rd District, which Durr hopes to tap into to blunt misogyny charges against the senator. I think what really got us started were some of these outrageous things that Ed Durr had said on his social media about abortion, about women keeping their legs shut, all this kind of stuff that really is beyond the pale and Democrats feel 
that they've got a real albatross here that they can hang around the necks of other Republicans and that it's not defensible. And in fact, there's probably some credibility to that because other Republicans in South Jersey have run away from those statements. Yeah, they did. This statement from Republican candidates in the 4th and 8th districts in South Jersey is pretty strong. The social media posts by Senator Ed Durr were offensive and unacceptable, it says. They don't represent us or what we believe in any way. Durr, who shocked the South Jersey political establishment when he knocked out then-Senate President Steve Sweeney in 2021, has become unavailable for interviews now, we're told. But he's still raising money on the same site that hosted the ad attacking Berzicelli. Special interest groups are going to come for my seat. They're going to spend millions to help the Democrats. But you can stop that by contributing today. Well, my, my observation is that uh, after spending, after he having spent two years in Steve Sweeney's seat and having delivered zero for this district in the way of economic economic uh, uh, programs, money, things of that nature, that uh, those seats might as well have been empty. So I guess there's not much for him to talk about other than what he's chosen to talk about. FDU pollster Dan Casino found when Durr and other Republicans talk about parental control in schools, it resonates with independent voters. But when parental control is defined, independents tend to stick with Dems. Parental control uh, is very much what we call a dog whistle. That is, if I talk about parental control, people on my side, if I'm a Republican, know exactly what I'm talking about. They're talking about taking content about sexuality out of schools. They're talking about what they refer to as woke history classes. So they know what we're talking about. However, past research on these sort of messages has shown that once voters figure out what the dog whistle is about, then they stop supporting it. So there's plenty of voters say, yeah, I like the idea of parental control. But if you say, well, we're going to take books about gay people out of the classroom schools, they go, oh, 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 I don't want that. I guess it could matter to the same people that are really concerned with parental notification in schools, right? This could personalize that issue. It could make that issue matter and resonate in that district. The bottom line in this election is turnout. Casino says voters, especially independents, tend to stay home when a major seat isn't up at the top of the ticket. So it's unclear whether or not sex in this race will arouse voters enough to actually get them to come out to the polls. I'm David Cruz, NJ Spotlight News. That's going to do it for us tonight. I'm Brianna Venosi. For the entire NJ Spotlight News team, thanks for being with us. Have a great evening. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. And by the PSEG Foundation.